0: Matthew chapter 5 and verse 14. Find your way there. Our theme this year is the commands of Christ. What a great start we had last week looking at uh, the topic of walking in the light. The Spirit of God was present and here and moving in many hearts, many of your hearts. And I, I pray that the Spirit of God will work, continue to work here at our church uh, in uh, many days and weeks to come. I, I was listening to a podcast yesterday and in that podcast they discussed uh, the decline in church attendance across America and surely uh, the the church numbers across America are greatly declining especially among young people especially since the pandemic uh, but there is one group of churches there are there there is a group of churches that is growing and what those churches seem to have in common by this survey is they're b- very Bible centric they teach the Bible and churches that are heavy on teaching the Bible seem to be thriving and growing at this time whereas churches that are not teaching the Bible seem to be suffering and struggling we desire to be a church here at White Oak that teaches the Bible we want to be Bible heavy uh, you didn't come here to hear my opinion uh, you came here to hear God's word and the articulation of the yes. Bible. The Bible was written for the purpose of being read and understood, but it was also written to be preached. Yes. God works through preaching. And in a culture where preaching is being de-emphasized and uh, limited, and emphasis is being um, emphasis on singing is being emphasized, 30-40 uh, minutes for singing, 10-15 minutes for preaching, those churches are beginning to falter and sputter Churches that preach the Word seem to be growing. And so we want to be a church that preaches the Word. Let's stand together for the reading of the Word of God, Matthew chapter 5. And we'll begin together in 14 and read responsively down through verse number 16. Together in 14. Here we go. Ready? Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men, that they may see your good works, and glorify your Father which is in heaven. We're looking at the commands of Christ. The series is My Character. Today we're going to look at the topic of shine your light, the command to shine your your light. Let's pray. Lord, help us today to not only understand the message intellectually, but Lord, to grasp it emotionally, and then Lord, help us to go forth and live it practically. God, guide us this morning into all truth. Truth sets us free. Your word is truth, and so Lord, help us to grasp this and grow thereby. If there's one here today, Lord, that has not yet put their faith and trust, in you alone for salvation, whether in attendance here in the room or watching through our live stream, may today be the day they not only understand the gospel, but Lord, believe in you alone for their salvation. Be with us this morning, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Well, throughout the year, we're going to be revisiting this famous Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7 is uh, are all in red. If you look there, if you have a Bible with... The words of Christ in red. You see that all three chapters are in red. And uh, that is because Jesus is preaching a sermon here. Uh, I am of a strong opinion that this is the greatest sermon ever preached. Uh, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. This was the top of the top of even the sermons that Jesus preached. It is dense. It is packed full of truth. You're talking about a fire hydrant of truth coming at the crowd Matthew 5, 6, and 7 is that fire hydrant. And we'll be unpacking that chapter piece by piece throughout the year. Um, Jesus gives several commands in these three chapters. But today, we're going to consider His command in verse 16. What is that command? Well, it's very simple. Jesus says, shine your light. Shine your light. Um, Last week we considered the command to walk in the light out of John chapter 12. If you walk as a child of light, walk uh, in the light, walk as a child of of light, then your nature is to then turn around and shine your light. I think back to uh, the verse in the Bible that talks about the simple confounding the wise. When I was in Bible college, we had a time each week where the college boys would ride back and they would take turns preaching to each other uh, not a whole lot of it was biblically accurate but we had a lot of fun uh, learning cutting our teeth learning how to preach 18 19 20 year old boys learning how to preach we had one boy that rode our night bus named jamie and jamie was educably slow he was mentally handicapped and uh one day uh, jamie it was jamie's turn to preach and and he got up, and I don't know if he had all. I believe he was autistic, but he got up to preach and he used a sermon illustration that was profound and deeply impacted me. He reached into his pocket. He had been in the back of the bus throughout the dropping of the kids off that evening. It was night out, and while the lights of the bus had been on, he had held a piece of plastic up to the light in the bus. And when it was his turn to preach, he reached in his pocket and he pulled out one of these stars you know the stars that go up on the ceiling and uh, are lit up on the on a ceiling and he said uh, he said now listen he said as you walk with God all week uh, you should shine bright to others who live in darkness what a powerful truth and you see if we walk in the light then we get around darkness we're going to do what we're going to shine Our lights. If you're not shining your light, it's an evidence that you're not really walking in the light. You see, to walk in the light is to shine your light. And if you're accurately and properly shining your light, it is an evidence that you have been walking in the light. Now, when I think of shining your light, uh, one of the first things, this is simple, but one of the first things I think of is a dark stadium, like a sports stadium filled with tens of thousands of people, each one holding up a little light. And you ever seen a picture of that before? Uh, one person holding up a light may not uh, be uh, all that noticeable, although if it is pitch black, you won't be able to help but see it. But when you have tens of thousands of people holding up a light, that is both um, uh, remarkable to behold and it is powerful In its display. Now, last week we considered the command to walk in the light out of John chapter 12. And if you walk as a child of light, then by your very nature, again, you're going to shine your light. Watch this. Uh, Pianists do what? They play the piano. If we get a good pianist in the church who is a member of our church... I don't generally have to ask them to play. They're asking me if they can play. Why? Because pianists—that's what they do. They play the piano. Guess what singers do? Singers use their voice, and what do they do? They sing. They sing. I was in an office uh, yesterday, and or two days ago, and uh, my wife was was not next to me. We were we were apart for a minute, and. And I'm sitting there, and I'm, I'm looking at something on my phone, and I just start singing a Christian song sort of low-key under my voice. And the receptionist says to me, are you singing over there? A whole room full of people. And, and I wasn't trying to be heard. I was really trying to keep it down. And I said, yeah. She said, what are you singing? I said, a Christian song. She said, well, sing it out for all of us. <laughs> I said, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm, yeah, no, I'm not. Not going to do that, uh, but singers that 's what they do. They use their voice and they sing. guess what basketball players do. They find a way and they find time to play basketball that 's what they do um, mechanically minded people what do they do? They fix things they fix things. Uh, we have a, a pile we had a pile of logs from a tree that was taken down back here on our property, and um, uh, brother Owens and brother Holly. Back here took the time yesterday to chop that thing up and turn it into firewood, and I they had about everything possible go wrong. Did you not? For the holly, the chainsaw broke, the splitter broke. Uh, that was some tough wood, I guess. Uh, and that's how I feel when I'm trying to fix a church. member. I get broken sometimes. So, uh, But uh, they're back out there trying to uh, get all that done. And you know what? If you go to Brother Holly's house, he has a whole... I shouldn't be telling everyone this because you're going to have everyone asking you. Uh, but he has a whole building with just firewood. And they heat their house with that in the winter. And uh, that's something that he's passionate about. He's a he, he is a lumberjack. And you know what lumberjacks do? They split wood. And so if you are a, a child of a the light, then guess what you do? You shine your light. You don't have to be told to do it. You just do it. You just do it. Jesus says that you do not light a candle for the purpose of hiding it under a bushel or a basket. Rather, you, you, you use it to cut through the darkness. You cut through the darkness. Now, to be practical... Everyone who knows anything about you, everyone who knows anything about you should know what? They should know that you are a child of God. I shouldn't go to work and say, hey, did you know such and such uh, is a church attender, a Christian? What? (laughs) No, can't be. (laughs) Not not him. Oh, you should hear the language they use at work. (laughs) That dirty joke he told last week? Nah, yeah, no, nah, I'm not buying that. Now listen, if you're a Christian, everyone should know that you're a child of God. Everyone should know. I remember being a young man and and being working hard at shining my light. And this is at a Christian school, but sometimes Christian schools are not always so Christian. I'm doing my best to shine my light. And by the way, I. I didn't always shine my light. Sometimes I'd laugh at off-color jokes or say things that were wrong to try to fit in. But I worked hard to be a, a spiritual leader at, uh, at school. And, and you know, it's funny, when you sort of put yourself up on that pedestal of, I'm going to do right, and I'm going to lead the way in doing right, if you do laugh at a joke, everyone else laughs at that joke, it's okay. You laugh at that joke, they call you out hard. What are you doing laughing at that joke? What are you doing using language that way? People at work ought to sort of know that you live your life on a different level and hold yourself to a different standard. Why? Because everywhere you go, you are busy shining that light. In your neighborhood, you shine the gospel light. How? By maintaining a good testimony by the upkeep of your home. Don't put a I Love Jesus banner in your front yard and not cut your yard for a month straight. Two months straight. Have gutters that are falling off your house and a home that should have been pressure washed three years ago. Be a testimony. Be a testimony. Be a testimony not only in that way, but be gracious. You ever had someone blow leaves onto your lawn? Be gracious. It's okay. You can clean them up. And smile while you're doing it. You don't have to blow them back with prejudice, all right? (laughs) Probably the wind anyway. Isn't that the excuse you use when leaves blow off your lawn onto theirs? Um, You should shine your light at work. Everyone at work should know that you are a man or woman who is deeply in love with God and His Word. You should shine your light, teenagers and children, at school. That's school. And those of you here that go to a public school, you have a great opportunity to really show the love of God to others. The darker the night, the brighter the light. The darker the night, the brighter the light. How about at the grocery store? Or at a restaurant? You ever have a server not do a good job? Right? Some of you eat out all the time. So it, it probably happens on a regular basis. I had a Christian tell me one time, he said, if my cup gets below half full, then I cut the tip in half. Don't leave a track if you're going to do that. You ought to be gracious. You ought to be kind. The love of Jesus ought to shine through you. Some time ago, I took my wife out on a date. We were at a restaurant here in the area, and uh, this server that came up to our table was clearly not, uh, had not been in America very long, was a Spanish-speaking lady, and she did a fine job waiting on us, but you could tell there was something heavy uh, upon her, a burden she was carrying, and uh, she was sort of going through the motions, and uh, my wife began to engage with her in Spanish, and uh, we invited her to church, and she looked at my wife, and she said, I'm so glad you gave me this. She said, I've been battling thoughts of suicide. I've gone through a hard breakup, and my child was taken away from me. And there she was, not doing the greatest job, going through the motions. Not not a bad job, but just getting by. And She didn't need us to reprimand her or cut her tip. She needed us to shine the gospel light. You ought to shine that light by the way you speak. You ought to shine that light by the way you dress. You ought to shine that light by the way you carry yourself and your body language. Some of you walk around like Eeyore, your head's down and you're moping everywhere you go. I'm not trying to pick on you, but you're not shining that light by the way you're carrying yourself. You're not telling the world by the way... You're presenting yourself that you're saved and that you have grace and an eternal victory ahead of you. No, you're communicating depression and sorrow and sadness. You say, but pastor, I am battling depression. I'm not here to pick on you this morning, but you need to make sure you take the time to tell the Lord that you want to present yourself in a way that shines that light even in your body language. You say, well, that wouldn't be being authentic. Listen, sometimes you fake it till you make it. Sometimes you smile through the trial. Shine that light by the morals and principles that guide your decision making. At work, you ought to shine that light by how hard you work. Christian, you ought to work circles around everybody that you know. They ought to want to hire more Christians because of the testimony that you've given they ought to want to hire more Christians because when you were caught in a difficult spot, you were ethical and you told the truth. They ought to know that you would never take anything from the company, including time. You give your very best. Shine that light by how committed you are to the Lord in front of others. Shine that light by how committed you are to the Lord in private. For you to shine your light, you have to be willing to put yourself out there. We had our Christmas drama back on the 18th of December, and boy, a whole lot of work by a whole lot of people went in to making that happen. Uh, Leading up to it, uh, Brother Jason Magnarella, the father of the young lady baptized, he and I were in here, and we were blackening out the windows. We had black paper. We were putting them over the windows to be able to create the the dark room for the drama. And um, you know what? We thought we had done a great job covering the windows, Until we turned the lights off in the auditorium, and you know what we saw? Around the edges, all this light started poking through where we hadn't quite got it all covered up. And uh, it took us maybe an hour to cover the windows initially. It probably took us an hour and a half to cover them up the second time. Going around, getting every last little pinhole. So it was just... Right, and Christian, if the light of the Lord is in you, it can't help but poke through those little pinholes. And as you get yourself consecrated and clean up, you're wiping away the soot of sin off of your heart and off of your life, and that light begins to beam and to shine forth. If you're a child of light and you were living your life by walking in the light, then you cannot help but have that light poke through everywhere you go and be seen years ago i was on a a plane and i uh struck up a conversation what actually happened in that that particular flight i was flying southwest i was group a i still don't know how i got in group a because i didn't pay extra but i was group a and i sat on the front row i had nobody in front of me and so i sat uh, got got seated there on the end and uh, aisle seat and began to speak with uh, the person next to me and some people you know they put their headphones in and they just go to sleep but they don't want to talk to you i'm that guy you sit down next and i'm looking at you i want to talk to you right and uh everyone's putting just you know that that kind of thing and you say why are you that way because i honestly i want to shine my light i i'm gonna you're gonna be, you're a captive audience for the next two hours i'm gonna tell you about jesus you're not going anywhere so you know unless you're requesting a, a, a change seats I'm going to tell you about Jesus. And so I sat next to this guy. And, and you know, I'm not weird or awkward about it. You engage in normal conversation and get to know the person and read their body language. And if they don't want to talk, I'm not going to press the issue. But this person did want to talk and engage. And so I got into a lengthy conversation with him about Christianity and gave him the entire gospel. We're flying from Chicago to Baltimore. And I uh, gave him the gospel, Two 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 and a half three a half, three-hour flight um, the guy had lots of questions. Lots of questions. I did my very best to answer all of his questions. and uh, I got da- down to the end and he was not ready to get saved. I didn't, I didn't press the issue, just let it be. Left him with the opportunity to make the decision later. When we landed the plane, I was standing up and getting my, my things, and again, front row seat to the plane, and getting ready to just get my stuff and walk out. And the person sitting behind me, said to me, as I was getting my luggage from the overhead compartment, he said, "I heard everything that you said. He said, "That guy may not ready to, may not be ready to believe, but I am." Can I talk to you?" We walked out in the terminal, and after about a 30-second conversation of verifying he knew what everything I had said, he prayed to receive Christ as a savior. Now, I want to offer you a contrast. All right? Several years later, I was on an airplane, same scenario, witnessing to the person next to me. Not sitting on the front row this time, sitting over the wing. I got halfway through the gospel, the part about sin and sin's consequences with death and hell. The person sitting in front of me turned around and looked at me and said, I don't want your religion shoved down my throat. Shut your mouth. And I looked at the person and said, I apologize if I have offended you. And the person next to me said, I want to (laughs) hear. And so I just backed up in the seat and leaned over that person's direction and kept witnessing without trying to be offense to the person in front of me. You see, sometimes when you shine your light, people want the light. Other times when you shine the light, people don't want the light in their spiritual eyes. All the same, we are commanded to shine our light. Look at Matthew 5.16. Matthew 5.16 Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify who? Your Father which is in heaven. Why do we shine our light? So that people will think that we're something great? Nope. We shine our light to give glory to the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the one that deserves the praise. It's His hand that holds the flashlight, and He is the one to get the praise and the honor and the glory. I want you to take your Bibles over to Ephesians 5. You can put a marker there in Matthew 5. We'll come back to that at the very end of the sermon. But I want you to turn over to Ephesians 5. Paul would lay out for the church of Ephesus what it looks like when you shine your light. Jesus gave us the command. Uh, Paul gave us uh, the principles of how to do it and what it looks like when we do it. Let's look at six actions that take place when we obey Christ's command to shine your light. Number one, notice that it examines our spirit. It examines our spirit. Look at Ephesians chapter 5 with me. Again, you're encouraged to take notes as you go along this morning. Ephesians 5, look at verse number 8. It says there, For ye were sometimes darkness, and now are ye light in the Lord. Read that next phrase with me. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth. Now, when we shine our light, look at verse 10, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. So, that word proving we find twice. Um, it, we find, uh, let's see, the word proving in verse 10 rather means to examine, examine. Here in the passage, we are commanded to walk as children of light and to, and, and Jesus taught us to shine our light. So, do you remember when you were little, alright, for some of you that was a long time ago, uh, but do you remember when you were uh, maybe in grade school and you'd hang out with your buddies? And uh, as a junior age child, uh, you would tell them that you did something and they would use these two words. They would say, prove it. Prove it, right? I played basketball growing up and I remember the first time I hit a half court shot, right? Little fifth grade boy, get running up and just hurl that ball from my stomach up toward the hoop. The first time it went in, man, I was running around the gym. I was so excited. And guess what? Nobody was there to see it. Nobody. It happened in an empty gym. That's how it always goes. And I went to school the next day and I sat down with my buddies and I said, guess what, guess what, guess what, guess what? I made a half-court shot yesterday. You know what the other boys at the table said? Yeah, right. Prove it. And so I spent the entire 15 minutes of recess hurling that ball back up. I got close. It didn't go in. And A couple of kids said, you didn't hit a half-court shot. Now, we're mandated... Or rather, uh, hold on here. As, as you would, uh, the world is skeptical of our Savior, are they not? You say, Jesus saved me. He forgave me of my sins. He's given me a new reason to live. He's changed my life. And the skeptical world around you says, yeah, right. Prove it. Prove it. And every time that you're able to do right, In the face of a hardship, you are proving to the world that Jesus is your light. Now what do they do? They look for inconsistencies. They look for inconsistencies in your life in order to show that you're no different than everyone else. Every day that you go to work and you allow the light of God to shine through your attitude or your spirit uh, onto the non-believers. You don't get drugged down in the scuttlebutt of the office talk. You don't get drugged down into the disparaging comments about the boss. You don't get pulled down into uh, talking negatively about a spouse. No, because uh, you have allowed the light of God to examine your spirit. And then what happens is it comes shining out on others. And you know what? By default, uh, uh, by uh, uh, indirectly, it ends up causing them to examine their own spirit. And so as we take out the light and we shine it first down in our hearts, it examines our own spirit and then we shine it out on others and it examines their spirit. I don't know about you, I don't have this thing of having a perfect attitude quite figured out yet. Does anyone here want to raise his hand and say, Pastor, I have a perfect attitude all the time. Alright, I don't see a single hand See a couple of people scratching their neck, but no one raising their hand. You know what I know about you, and I, or you, and I know about me, is that I need the light to be shined down on my heart when my spirit is sideways, so God can help get me back on track. And you know what? When I start shining that light outwards on others who have their spirit sideways, they're either going to get their spirit right, or they're going to avoid me altogether. And I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. I remember there were a handful of times as a as a teenager in the youth group or even at the Christian school there where I would take a stand for what was right. Again, I tried not to be mean or unkind, but just say, hey, you know, it's a Christian school, let's not talk that way. Hey, let's not do that, let's not go there. Even in the youth group, and and, you know, the kids who were wanting to do wrong, two things happened. Number one, they made fun of me. That's to be expected. And then number two, they avoided me. You know what I didn't have to worry about when they started avoiding me? I didn't have to worry about anything they were saying. Because they were talking about it over there and it was not polluting my ears. They did not want the light shining on them and that's fine because they didn't want their spirit examined. I'm not trying to be anyone's Holy Ghost, by the way. And you should not go out of here trying to be anyone's Holy Ghost. You just be vibrant For the Lord, and you watch as God's light shines forth. It examines our spirit. Number two, it it exposes sin. When you shine your light, it exposes sin. Look at Ephesians chapter 5, and look at verse number 11. Look there, the Bible says, "...and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness." Look here, "...but rather reprove them." If you underline in your Bible, mark that word, reprove. "...for it is a shame even to speak of those things." which are done of them in secret. Don't get caught up gossiping about someone else's sin. Done in secret. It's a shame to even speak of it. Verse 13, But the things that are reproved, mark that word again, are made manifest by the light, and and whatsoever doth make manifest is light. So the word reprove is used twice in just these three short verses. And what does that word reprove mean? It means to expose And eliminate. Expose and eliminate. We are mandated in this passage and others that we are to have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. No fellowship. We're to cut off fellowship. This, of course, would be the fruit of the labor of the wicked or sin. The dimmer the light is in a room, the easier it is for dirt to hide. Right. When sin darkens the light of the Holy Spirit, it can be hard to understand why certain things are sin. It can be hard to see the sin that is in our lives. So, we have people in the congregation this morning who are at different levels of growth. Different levels in their walk. Listen up. Listen up. Listen up here. Different levels of maturity, All right. A common question that is asked by Christians who are less mature in the Lord. I'm not belittling, I'm not putting down, and I'm not trying to say that you have subpar Christians and great Christians. Listen, we are all on a journey to be like Jesus. Amen? Some of us are at the beginning of that journey, and others of us have been on this journey for a while. By the way, even those who have been on the journey for a while can slide back into the behavior of someone who's very early on in the journey. And so if you're early on in the journey, that's great. Praise the Lord you're on the journey. I'm not meaning to be little, or be right or put down anyone. But one sign of someone who is uh maturing in the Lord and early on in the process is that they will ask this question when someone says something is wrong. They'll say, "Well, what's so wrong about it?" Where in the Bible does it say that? And I think we should have a Bible answer for any stand we take on anything. But if your attitude and your approach is, well, show me in the Bible and I'll stop doing it, maybe you need to change your line of questioning from what's wrong with it to what's right with it. What's right with it? What's right with it? Next time you sit down to watch a TV show or movie, ask this question, how is this going to help me be more like Jesus Christ? You see, Paul in Hebrews 12 addressed sin, but he also addressed weights. And weights slow us down from being all that we can do. In fact, Paul would say, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are expedient. Not all things are going to help me run my race uh, at the pace I ought to. I ought to be willing to not only lay aside sin, but lay aside weights that lead me into sin and easily beset me. I ought to be willing to take the light of truth and shine it down on my own heart and expose any sin or even anything that could lead me into sin. And you see, when you live with the lights turned down, the Holy Spirit dimmed down in your heart, then what ends up happening is that sin hides, and you don't even know why something is wrong. Here's what I have found in my, all my years of being saved, is that as I grow in the Lord, the Lord will say to me, that right there needs to go. And I'll say to the Lord, well, what's wrong with it? And the Lord will say, do you trust me? And I'll say, yes, Lord, I trust you, but I really like that. And he'll say, I know you like that, but if you want to be more like me, then you need to let that go. And then I'll let it go. And then my, life, my Christian life gets better. And then all of a sudden, God says to me, oh, and this over here? Yeah, I need you to give me that too. Are you serious? what's wrong with that? And the Lord says, Richard, it's not about sin all the time. Sometimes it's about a weight that's keeping you from being what I want you to be. Do you love me more than that? Are you willing to let it go so I can do a work in your life? Or do you want that more than you want intimacy with me? And you see, it starts by saying, yes, Lord, to the very first sin that comes up in your life. Yes, Lord, I'm going to let that go. You say, well, you know what? I did that before I got saved and I just really enjoy it. I don't want to let it go. Sometimes it's time to just open the fist and say, Lord, here it is. I'm going to live for You. What does light do? It exposes sin. If I'm going to clean my house... I turn all the lights on in the room where I'm going to clean and make it as bright as I can so I can get all the dirt. As you allow the Holy Spirit to clean up your heart, He makes it clean. And by the way, that might lead you to being labeled as funny or weird or strange. And I would just say, if darkness wants to make fun of light, I'd rather live in the light than in the dark. And I don't want to be a people pleaser. Don't laugh at dirty jokes at work just to fit in. Don't talk bad about your spouse at work just to fit in. Don't join in on the gossip on Facebook just to fit in. Don't go for a drink with the guys or girls after work just to fit in. Don't dress inappropriately just because everyone else is just to fit in. If your Christianity causes some irritation, then that's a good sign of Christ likeness. We are to be, if you go back to Matthew 5 and you look up one verse of verse 13, we're commanded to not only be light, but to be salt. You know what happens when you put salt on an open wound? It irritates. Now, don't leave here saying Pastor Lejeune said I could be an irritant. All right? Hear me out on this. Your position is an irritant enough. Your disposition needs to be kind and sweet. Kind and sweet. It examines our spirit. It exposes sin. Number three, notice, it enlivens the sleeper. It enlivens the sleeper. What happens when we shine our light? Well, it enlivens the sleeper. Look at verse 14 of Ephesians chapter number 5. You all are listening so well this morning. I thank you for that. Look at verse 14. Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. On a regular basis, you will encounter a Christian that has made the choice to hide his candle under a bushel. Right? They don't want others to know that they're a Christian. They're hiding their light. This person looks like the world, acts like the world, and talks like the world. This person is doing their dead-level best to avoid their own Christianity and any signs of it. When I was uh, 18 years old, or rather 19 years old, I I came home from my freshman year of college. And uh, I had had a scholarship in my freshman year uh, because I I had had high enough grades to earn that scholarship in high school and uh, came home and didn't have any money and needed money to go back the next year. So I'm calling around looking for a job and a, fr- a youth group a friend of mine uh, named Matt, he called me and said, Hey, you looking for a job? I said, Yeah, I am. He said, I've got a job over here at this super value food distribution warehouse, and, you know, they're paying this much an hour, and if you work at a faster pace, then they'll increase your salary, and and I'm, you know, 18, 19 years old, had youth and vibrancy and energy and strength and and zeal, and so I I went in and interviewed. It was a summertime position. I took the job, and the next two summers, I worked at Super Value with Matt, and um, you have to understand, being raised in a Christian home, I had been sheltered from the world, all right? Uh, we turned the TV off over what would would be labeled as a more lesser or minor curse word. We didn't use that language in our house. We were guarded from language in that house. I go to a Bible college, and that language is not allowed there. Uh, I'm I'm cocooned in the dorms, if you will. And then I get this job, and I walk into the break room pre-shift, and the worst, most vile language is just, you all, some of you work this, you know this, just poured out on my head. And I am hearing the most vile words used hundreds of times in the ten minutes leading up to the pre-shift. And I you know, I put back on my heels a little bit. And um, I remember Matt um, going growing up to the youth group with him. I had worked a bus route at one point with him. I had gone soul hunting with him. I had seen him lead people to the Lord. I had knelt at the altar with him as a teenager and we'd both wept and prayed as we made decisions for the Lord together. Uh, he and me and his mom and dad and him, the four of us climbed into the back of it, or I climbed into a Chevrolet Cavalier and four of us, Chevrolet Cavalier and drove 800 miles to go to a conference. I ate my knees the whole trip. Uh, he and I were, had been good friends and, and now I came in to work with him and now he's using the same language they are. He's throwing up the same filthy gestures they are. Now, was Matt saved? Yes. But had Matt gone to sleep and dimmed down his light? Oh, yes, he had. And I did not go in there and get preachy with Matt. I didn't do that. I didn't even reprimand Matt. I just made sure he and I ate lunch together every day. Took our lunch break together. Nothing changed that first summer. The second summer I worked with him the very end of the summer, he looked at me and he said, I know that you know that I'm not right with God. He said, I'm going back to church. I'm not taking credit for Matt going back to church because honestly, other than just doing what I was supposed to do and living right, I did not correct him. I did not chide him. I did not say anything to him um, at all. Not one time. But Matt said to me, I'm going back to church. Shortly after Matt started going back to church, he met a young lady and the two of them got married. And uh, Matt um, uh, and his wife Chrissy now have a child or two. And Last I heard, Matt is faithful to church and serving the Lord on a church bus route. Christians, sometimes you just doing right, living right, being right, and shining your light is enough to awaken the sleeper Christians around you. Have you ever stopped and asked, at the rapture, how many Americans will be taken out of here? Boy, I'm really fascinated by that thought. I really am, because I think there's a lot of Americans who are saved, but boy, they're they're asleep. That light is dim. They use the language of the world, and they go along with the culture trends of the world. Uh, they. Uh, They don't attend church very often. Uh, They live a very casual Christian life. And I I wonder how many... uh, Listen, here's what I'm getting at. I wonder if American Christians would just wake up and be holy and do right and shine their light. I wonder how quickly the darkness would go running. We have a darkness in our culture that can only exist when the light of the culture is dimmed down and gone to sleep. Christian, don't you be that light. You turn that light on bright. Number four, notice it establishes our steps. It establishes our steps. Look at Ephesians 5 and look at verse number 15. Read it with me. Ready? Here we go. See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. I have defined or illustrated circumspect as being a cat walking along the top of of a fence with a pack of dogs on both sides yelping at its feet. That next step you're going to take very carefully, are you not? One false move and those dogs are going to own you. They're going to eat you. And as Christians, we're under constant attack. The devil is going to use any and every vice possible to trip you up and cause you to just be another statistic. Uh, in 12 months, he does not want you to be in church. In 12 months, if you're married, he wants you to be divorced. In 12 months, he wants your children to go the way of the world and the devil. In 12 months, he wants you to lose your job. Listen, Satan has come to steal and to kill and to destroy. That's what he wants of you. And Christian, you must be prudent and for See the evil that's out there and that is in disguise. Take your Bibles to Psalm 119 with me. Psalm 119. We have to allow the light of the Word of God and the Spirit of God to be our guide. Psalm 119. Brother Joe, if you could take the platform monitors down just a hair for me. Psalm 119 and look at 105. Now, we know... That uh, Jesus is light. We looked at that last week. John 8.12 Jesus saith unto him, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of light. Now, Jesus is the living Word of God and the Bible is the written Word of God. Hence, Jesus is light. The Bible is also light. Look at Psalm 119. Look at 105. Thy Word is a lamp unto my feet, and a light unto my path. So, the Bible shines down on my feet to help me to know the very next step I should take, and it shines out on my path to let me know the next several feet of steps that I should take. Look at 130. Look at 130. So, it shows me where I am, and it shows me where I am going. The Word of God does. Look at 130. The entrance of thy words giveth light, it giveth understanding unto the simple. Now here's a beautiful truth. Someone here this morning might say, Pastor, I don't have a very high IQ. I struggled in school. I don't label myself as very smart. Even reading is difficult for me. Now uh, here's what I'm going to tell you. You take someone who is simple minded and give them a lifetime of engulfing and in, 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 in dwe- allowing the Word of God to indwell them. Uh, they're soaking up, sponging up the Word of God. You give a simple one a lifetime of doing that, uh, they're going to be far better off and filled with far more wisdom than someone who has an high IQ and does not spend time with God. This is why the simple confound the wise. Because the simple that walk with God, you are taking someone of a low IQ and you're having them uh, just soak up God's Word. It is wisdom and it is truth. It will take you and cause you to, to sky way above, fly way above the rest of the intellects of this world. Romans 1 says, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. When you try to live your life devoid of God in the light of God's Word, uh, you may be intellectually intelligent, but you are going to end up being spiritually unintelligent. You know what God's Word does? It gives understanding unto the simple. As Christians, we live in a dark world. Satan is the prince and power of the air. One day, Satan will be booted to hell and Jesus Christ will rule and reign and the kingdom will go from being a kingdom of darkness to a kingdom of light. Listen, hear me now. We all live in darkness. We live in a kingdom of darkness ruled by the, the, the king of darkness and we are to take out our light and we're to shine it bright in the dark and we're to be bright lights in a dark world. And what does that do? It establishes our steps. It helps us know where to go and how to walk. Now, oftentimes I hear people question the unknown will of God for their lives. The unknown will of God. And uh, where am I supposed to go to college when I graduate high school? Uh, uh, Who am I supposed to marry When it comes time for that to happen, Uh, when am I supposed to get married? And uh, let's see, where am I supposed to go to church? And where am I supposed to work? And uh, what car am I supposed to buy? And uh, what home uh, should I live in? And 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 all of these unknowns that are uh, no doubt God has a will, God has a plan, God has a desire, but they're unknown. And you hear a lot of questions about the unknown will of God. And you say, well, Pastor Lejeune, I'm, I'm I'm consumed with those things and I'm uncertain about those things. How do I figure those things out? It is very, very, very simple. Watch this now. You obey the light given and God will provide more light. That's it. For example, you're out of work and you're looking for a job. Pastor Lejeune, where am I supposed to work? Here's the reality. Until you start doing the thou shalts and thou shalt nots in here, You're not even doing the known will of God. Watch this now. Why would God lead you to the unknown will if you're not willing to do the known will? You obey the light that you've been given and God will give you more light to help you understand the unknown will of God. When I shine the light, it establishes my steps. Let's go over the outline together. We get to that alliterated word in the blank. Say it with some enthusiasm. Ready? What what happens when we shine our light? Number one, it examines our spirit. Number two, it, it exposes sin. It enlivens the sleeper. It establishes our steps. Number five, it educates the simple. It educates the simple. Look at verse 15. Verse 15, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Look at seventeen. Wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Now let me go back to that thought about the will of God. Um I I'll give you my opinion. All right. I'm marking this as asterisk, okay? Richard Lejeune's opinion, all right. My opinion after being in church for a lifetime is that the most abused phrase in churches is this phrase, the will of God. Alright? Well, it's God's will that I don't do this. It's God's will that I do this. It's God's will that... I've heard people use that phrase in such a horrible way. It's God's will that I run over here and, and be involved in this sinful activity. former youth leader of mine ended up in an adulterous affair. And he got caught, and instead of repenting, he doubled down on it. And I was talking to him on the phone. I was well after I was out of the youth department. I was talking to him on the phone, and he said to me, he said, I don't understand what the big deal is. He said, me and her read the Bible and pray together every day. While he's still married to his wife. Hiding behind the will of God to do wrong. What a horrible thing. But how about hiding behind the will of God to be lazy? Well, it's not God's will that I be involved in this ministry at this time. Are you just saying something so that it's checkmate with the pastor or the ministry leader? Or have you actually literally spent time on your face begging and pleading with God about that? The will of God. Now, I want you to picture with me a young man walking down a dark road. Pitch black outside. If he uses the light provided, the Bible, the lamp to his feet, the light to his path, what's going to happen? You listening now? He's going to avoid falling into the land of foolishness, and he's going to walk down a path that ends up leading him or her into great wisdom. Now, on the way to wisdom, the light of the Holy Spirit shines onto the path of the unknown will or plan of God for his life. Again, I'm just going to repeat this, write this down, light obeyed always brings about more light. Light obeyed always brings about more light. Do you know that the inverse of that statement is true? Light disobeyed always brings about less light. By the way, if you're confused about what to think or what to believe, where to go, who your friend should be, what your future is, it might be a symptom of the fact that your relationship with Jesus has really slipped. People who walk with God always arrive at their destination. He who walks with God always arrives at his destination, always arrives at his destination. I remember, and, and, and I'm not trying to make the sermon about me, but I'm the preacher and I live life through my own eyes, so using my own paradigm sometimes is, is necessary to accomplish the, the task at hand. I remember when I was uh, in college and, and single, and frustratedly single. I wanted to be dating and, and just things weren't playing out right. And I remember saying to myself, I've heard my whole life, God has a woman for you that is God's perfect will. I remember thinking to myself, no, that's not true. If she's godly and I'm godly, it doesn't really matter who I marry. And so I started dating Angela and we fell in love and got married. And I'm going to tell you, I have a different perspective of that now that I've been married for 15 years. I know God had prepared Angela for me at a young age. And I know that for a whole bunch of reasons. I remember after we got married, uh, we were sort of uh, scooched over at the church we were in into the church's Spanish ministry. and I told the Spanish congregation this morning, when I married Angela, I pretty much knew three words in Spanish. I knew bano, taco, and burrito. That was it. I didn't speak any Spanish. None. Um, And uh, when you eat a taco and burrito, you need a bano. Amen? Um, So... They laughed too, but they laughed more charismatically than you all did. So, um, But I wondered what God was doing. what Why God had shoehorned me, pushed me, allowed me to be pushed. I would sit in the Spanish congregation and uh, listen to the Spanish preacher and just be bored to tears because I did not understand a word of what was being said. And then God took us to uh, Granite Baptist in, in Glen Burnie, Maryland, there on the south side of Baltimore. And I was made a Spanish pastor. And boy, that was the hardest job I think I've ever had because I'm having to pastor people, I don't even really speak their language. And I gave myself hard two years to really learning the language and began to preach in Spanish. And then after four years of being there, the rug was pulled out from under our feet we are thrown out of that ministry. And for the next several years, I would not hardly speak any Spanish. I would not preach at all in Spanish. I would not use my Spanish. Originally, when I got married and I started learning Spanish and got the job at Granite, I said, well, God had me marry Angela because He wanted me to learn Spanish and because He wanted me to be in this ministry position. But then that's ripped out from under my feet and I thought, I'm never going to use this again. And then God brings us to White Oak and lo and behold... God was weaving these things into my life all along the way. Here we are getting ready to full-blown run a Spanish ministry. We're praying God sends a whole host of people here because God has led me to Angela and then led me down this path of learning Spanish early on in my adulthood. Now I'm going to be able to preach in English and in Spanish and pastor two groups of people all under one roof. And listen, this is not about putting Pastor Legerna up. It's about saying that let the Lord lead you and guide you as you obey Him. He's going to guide your steps. He's going to educate the simple, and oh, I am simple-minded. He's going to lead you down a path and you're going to look back after years of doing it and say, to God be the glory, let me keep shining that light and let me shine it bright for the Lord. You're here today and you're single wanting to be married. If it is God's will, and it is not God's will for everyone to be married, if it is God's will for you to be married, don't be consumed about that. Be consumed with being a biblical Christian that loves the Lord and is living holy and let God work those things out in time. He educates the simple. He establishes our steps. He enlivens the sleeper. It exposes sin. It examines our spirit. Number six, notice it is an efficient solution. Efficient solution. Look at Ephesians and look at verse number 16. Read it with me. Ready? Give you a second to write that down and get back over to your Bible. It's a short verse. Many of you probably already know it. Say it with me. Ready? Here we go. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. Many people are content to just sit around and complain about the darkness. Instead of doing something about it. Hey, by the way, I'm gonna get up and I'm gonna call a spade a spade. I'm gonna label sin, sin. I'm gonna step on toes. I'm gonna to preach against the culture. I'm gonna call wrong, wrong. And if people don't like it, I'm not here to offend. I'm here to articulate truth and shine my light. And by the way, I'm not here to, uh, I'm not here to uh, complain though about the darkness. I'm here to take my light and take out my lantern and shine it bright and try to bring people to the light and bring people to the truth. Why? Because the Word of God has the answers for all the problems that the world has. I read this quote this week in preparation for this sermon, and I loved it. I don't know that I had the perfect place to put it. I had to work it in the sermon. Here's the quote. Uh, This person said, "...I'd rather light a candle than curse the darkness." "...I'd rather light a candle than curse the darkness." We can sit around and curse about how evil the world is or we can stand up and light a candle and be the change that the world needs. You don't need much of a moral compass to know just how evil things have gotten today. By the way, Paul labeled his generation evil. And it was evil. But they didn't have the internet. How much more evil is our generation? Christian I beg you please don't get distracted by the bright lights the glitz and glamour of this world let's not forget satan satan was considered at one time an angel of light many people today they think they're walking in the light but really they're following a false angel an angel of Light, who really is the leader of the kingdom of darkness. God has a plan for your life that will affect the eternal. Because we are at war with the evil of this world. What is the solution? How can we combat sin? We do so by redeeming the time. Redeeming the time. Do you know that time is the only commodity that everyone has an equal amount of? Time is the only commodity that once you spend it, it can never be gotten back. You spend money, that can be replaced. You spend time, you'll never get it back. You made the choice to come to church this morning. I think you made the right choice uh, this morning. You're here today, but do you know what? When you go home, you'll never be able to get your Sunday morning back. Some of you go home this afternoon and, and you'll 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 have some time of rest. You'll never get that time back. May we use our time to punch holes in the darkness. Punch holes in the darkness. I'm not going to get up with you tomorrow morning and go to work. I'm not going to get up with you tomorrow morning and interact with your neighbors. I'm not going to get up with you tomorrow and and, and talk to your your parents or your friends or your loved ones. But do you know who is? You are. And you know what you can do in the place where you live, in the world that you're a part of? You can get up tomorrow morning and you can, with your light, you can punch holes in the darkness. And you can make a difference by getting up and letting your light so shine before men that they may see your good works. And glorify your Father which is in heaven. Hey, let's not be enamored with darkness. Let's work hard at being light. Some people aren't going to like it. But let's be light. Let's be light in a world of darkness because light leads people to truth and truth sets people free. Are you shining your light, Christian? Let's have our heads bowed and eyes closed. Jesus said, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Are you shining your light? Or are you hiding that light under a bushel? Are you hiding that light in darkness? Some Christians are like that dimmer switch and they've got it all the way down. You're saved where that light is barely on. Why don't you make the choice today to take that dimmer switch and just push it all the way up and be a bright light in a dark world? Maybe people at work need to begin to find out that you are a church going Christian. That might mean you have to change the way you talk and the way you behave and the way you dress. Maybe you want to be a child of light in your neighborhood. That might mean that some of your behaviors at home, yelling and screaming at your spouse and your kids, has got to stop. Maybe that being a light means that you're more actively involved here at church. You're giving and going. Lord, I pray this morning that You would help us to be children of light. Help us to go forth and brightly shine that light. Why? Not so that people will think well of us, but so that they'll glorify our Father which is in heaven. Help us, Lord, to take the... Challenges today to heart. Spirit of God, I have conveyed it's your place to draw men to the truth. Oh, I don't want to be guilty of doing your work. Please, Spirit of God, you do what only you can do. I've done my part. I ask you to do yours.